here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. Pat and Scott uh, heading into week number 10. Uh, we're, we're getting close to the end of the fantasy regular season. Uh, not everybody goes the distance as far as playoffs and things of that nature. Trade deadlines are coming up. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of action happening. And then bye weeks getting thrown in. Right now, you know, struggling to survive in most of my leagues. And uh, got a couple I'm, I'm not looking too bad in. But, you know, this was a, a crazy week for the NFL. A lot of news to, to pump out. And then we'll touch base on who we think are available and should be rostered in the waiver wire field. By weeks on week 10, we're looking at Baltimore, Cincinnati, New England, and the New York football Jets. Pat, how are we making out this week? You, you're hanging tough. I know in our home league, you and I are fighting to the bottom, which is never good. <laughs> yeah, the old, the old uh, bum fight in the basement that we're having down there. Yes. Uh, I think if, if one of us scores over a hundred points in a week, we should just, uh, we just call it a, a year and, and quit the league. It's, it's been that bad for, for us in that league, but you know, they can't all be winners. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of fantasy football. Every, every year is different and you just gotta you know, do the best you can with what you got. And unfortunately neither one of us had much. You, you at least have a, an excuse. You didn't have a pick until the ninth round. I don't know. My, I don't know what my excuse is. My team just sucks. I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> not really sure what I could have done. Don't be that Other than so. just draft better players, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. You you live and learn. But uh, that's one of the reasons why I don't subscribe to drafting the same team everywhere. I did that a few years ago, and and just had very identical teams throughout. You know, four or five of of the main leagues that I play in, and lose a player to injury or. Uh, you know, guys just underperform, whatever the case is. And then all of a sudden, all of your teams are terrible and, and fantasy football kind of sucks for the rest of the year for you. You don't really get to have much enjoyment. So what I've started doing, and since I'm playing in so many leagues, is, is starting to diversify a little bit more. And, you know, I'll take a shot on a guy in one league and then take a shot on a different guy in another league and, you know, not keep picking up the same players. I did overdraft Cortland Sutton in a lot of leagues this year, was very high on him, but with Russell Wilson's play so far this year that hasn't really paid off. So that's that's one of the guys that's sitting and, and rotting on my bench in our league of record that hasn't really done a whole lot for me this year. But you know that's part of you know why we do what we do is checking out preseason rankings and players that we feel are going to you know perform well and and that's what fantasy football is taking a taking a shot on these guys based off of the forecast ahead. True. Uh, yeah, it's you know as much prognostication as you can do obviously that's what we're doing here and several other folks in the community and and again everybody that plays you're always expected it's injuries factor in and woulda coulda shoulda again i know i've mentioned it before most of my guys have not performed as well uh, as i hoped uh you know even when i go down the list and look at guys like you say that i have you know massive ownership in, in multiple leagues it's just uh it's tough you know uh it's the kind of thing that would cost somebody a job as a coach uh, or GM. And I know we'll get into that uh, in just a <laughs> second, but did you want to hit them with the socials real quick? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, you can follow each of us on Twitter. 
We are at the nine route one and at Scott from Delco. Uh, you can also email the show if you would like. Our email address is the nine route FFB at gmail.com. And you can check out our website where we have all of our episodes listed as well as links to articles, links to our email and uh, to our sponsors as well. That website is www.the9routeffb.com. Speaking of people losing their jobs, let's uh, let's jump right into the news and, and injuries. Time for the news. Frank Reich, we found out today, is now out as Colts head coach. Jim Irsay has brought former center Jeff Saturday and named him the interim head coach, which is a little strange. Normally, you know, the interim head coach comes from, you know, somewhere within the coaching ranks in the team already. They usually will, you know, promote a guy like an offensive or defensive coordinator or something like that. But I think in this case, uh, at least from what I had, you know, what I'm hearing and what I've read, Ursay kind of wants Saturday to come in and, and like report back to him and give him an idea of, you know, what's going on in the locker room, what's going on in the organization. And uh, about 10 years ago, there was, a, I guess, whispers that uh, Jeff Saturday was going to be offered a, a front office job with Indianapolis when he finished his playing career. That apparently didn't happen. As you know, he went into broadcasting instead. Uh, but now he's he's back with the Colts and, and going to be coaching the team for the second half of the season. So, I know that we talked about this a little bit before with the whole benching of Matt Ryan situation and and all of that, but uh, this was this was a shocker. I thought they would at least give Reich the rest of the season to kind of wait this out, but you know, again, I'm sure we're going to hear more about you know what kind of went on with that situation, whether or not you know Frank Reich was completely buying into uh, what Jim Irsay was was trying to the direction that he was trying to take the the franchise, I guess. And uh, I think that may have a little bit to do with why Reich was let go as, as head coach. Yeah, uh, I know we talked a little bit a couple episodes back about how we feel about the, the Colts franchise as a whole, you know, in, in recent years. Again, you know, Frank Reich took the job over 2018. Um, he had Andrew Luck as a quarterback. They went 10-6. and six. Uh, They lost to Kansas City in the divisional round. And then everything from there just kind of went downhill for him uh, over the next years. He had uh, obviously Andrew Luck retired quickly uh, due to injuries. You know, again, he had always been pretty beat up and and just kind of said, you know what, enough's enough. I'm done. So then you have uh, Frank Wright gets one year of Andrew Luck. He gets Jacoby Brissett. They go seven and nine. He gets Philip Rivers, uh, very long in the tooth, Philip Rivers. Uh, who willed them to an 11 and five record, and they did lose in the wild card round to the Buffalo Bills. They were in that game for a little bit, and uh, you know it, it didn't seem like it was going to go their way. Carson Wentz joined the team last year. They went nine and eight, missed the playoffs uh, in the last week of the season, and picking up Matt Ryan this year. Yes, they benched him, but uh, at three five and one, kind of hard to see a coach that only made the playoffs two out of five years, uh, you know, basically had 500 sub 500 kind of records being able to carry on. Um, I, I don't really know what to think. I mean, I know Jeff Saturday is, is one of their like all timers, you know, based on career seems very knowledgeable as far as an analyst goes, you know, O-linemen centers, especially kind of have a certain pulse, almost like a catcher does in, in baseball terms of being a manager or, or an analyst. 
is his loyalty to the franchise probably something that caused this to be put into play? Sure. Uh, I, I think that that is more than likely. Like you just said, Pat, he's going to answer back to Jim Irsay, and suddenly this team is quietly turning into a a mini version of, of the Dallas Cowboys where the coach is there and maybe it's just that they're, they're just going back to tell the owner and the owner's quietly going to, yes, it's his team, but he's going to run that team. Uh, Gus Bradley's the coordinator. He had been a head coach, so he kind of got passed over a little bit there. And offensive coordinator Marcus Brady, who obviously that offense as a whole has struggled this year. You know, he's in his second year and they just obviously – just not able to get it done. But uh, yeah, an odd choice, I guess, kind of out of left field a little bit. Wish him luck, but not surprised considering what the Colts franchise is and does. And uh, again, moving forward there, you know, just trying to angle around probably for a, a better draft pick and maybe a way to clean house. But Frank Reich never seemed like a, a locker room cancer. I think it's a coach trying to have a, a plan in place. And, and again, when you lose pieces to that place, uh, Nick Sirianni, our head coach, had been down there. Uh, so people broke off of that tree, so to speak. But, yeah, uh, not surprised the Colts go uh, sideways for uh, a coaching change. Yeah, you know what's crazy? When I heard this, I thought I, I can only imagine how different this situation would have been or would be had the Colts just won that week 18 game or that week 17 game uh, last year against Jacksonville, made the playoffs. Probably wouldn't have done much in the playoffs. That you know, obviously, if you can't beat Jacksonville the way they were playing last year, uh, probably not going to do a whole lot in the playoffs. But had they just made the playoffs, I, I think. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe they never let go of Carson Wentz and signed Matt Ryan. Maybe you know. Obviously, it's it's like anything else in life. What if? What if? What if? But it's just crazy how quickly things change. I mean, literally, what, what are we eight games in to this season for for the Colts and? We were looking at Frank Reich like he was, you know, one of the better coaches in the league last year. And now all of a sudden, you know, halfway through this year, he he loses his job. I do think he's going to catch on somewhere if he decides that he wants to continue to coach because he is, uh, I believe he's a very good coach. I think he was in a really bad situation. You know, again, like we talked about before with this whole Colts organization, I don't think that it's run very well. And I and I just think that uh, I feel bad for Frank Reich because I feel like he kind of got the, the crap end of the stick on this one because – the owner wanted to move on from the quarterback. And then now, oh, now you score three points against one of the best defenses in the league. And now you're fired. Like it, it just, to me, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to fire him when they did. But, you know, it is what it is. It's his organization to run, I guess. But, uh, you know, as fans, we're always going to have our opinion. So, uh, other uh, than. I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, again, I, I just to, like, and you pointed out, and I know we've talked about it. The game last year where they could have, would have, should have made the playoffs, all they had to do was beat Jacksonville. If you go back and look, I mean, statistically at the game, they basically just didn't show up. Jacksonville did. Jacksonville held the football. They won time of possession, third down conversions, uh, total yards, everything. And again, you gave Jonathan Taylor 15 carries, and the guy was the best running back in football last year. Put the ball in Carson Wentz's hands 29 times. He got sacked six times. Like you all, it's almost like you did what you needed to do to lose on offense, and their defense couldn't stop Trevor Lawrence. And he had one of the best games of his young season in a, in a very tough spot. So, to say that that is considered poorly coached, maybe that comes back to haunt him. Uh, as long as he's the guy making those calls when it comes to plays or, or backing his guys up. But yeah, uh, it's it just hard to believe. And, and I do. I think yes, as a possible 
coordinator, possible coach. Uh, you could even see him slide into college. He definitely likes doing it. You know, a lot of people do like him as a like coach and a human being. So it will be interesting to see. All right, let's move on to some of the injuries uh, from this past week. Josh Allen injured his elbow at the end of the Bills' loss to the Jets. Still running tests as of right now, but Josh Allen said that he did deal with something similar that it actually held him out of some games, but this injury is not as serious as it, as the one that he suffered, uh, I believe it was in 2019. They're still, like I said, they are still running tests. They're still trying to figure out exactly, you know, what's wrong, what needs to be done, but doesn't seem like he's in any real danger of missing week 10. But if you do have Josh Allen on your roster and he is your only quarterback, I do suggest going out and seeing what's available on the waiver wire and maybe picking somebody up early. That way you're not scrambling come the weekend if he ends up, you know, for whatever reason, not playing due to this injury, but just something to be aware of. Another little injury, so to speak, I guess, you know, when it comes to the Carolina Panthers, PJ Walker was replaced yesterday by Baker Mayfield. It was, you know, obviously, you know, you're not really looking to have both of these guys, if any of them at all, uh, on your roster. They did announce that PJ Walker would be starting for next week. So if it was injury slash, you know, just the way the game went, I mean, they were down 35 nothing. To Joe Mixon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 35 <laughs> nothing at the half. Um, you know, and, and it, they themselves, you know, came out in the second half and accounted for a couple touchdowns. You know, you say Baker Mayfield uh, looked the better quarterback. But Cincinnati was pissed off from from getting beat up pretty bad by Cleveland uh, in that Monday night game. And, and, again, defending champs don't look to take two on the chin like that. They were home. I mean, everything kind of favored them uh, against the team with Carolina that's just looking to survive and, and back into the first or second pick overall when it comes to next season. So, uh, again, nothing crazy there. I don't see Mayfield taking the job. I think they want to let, you know, maybe see what they have in Walker. And, again, they're, they're just circling the wagons for next season. Another – I don't want to say minor injury, but what seems to be something that's not going to hold this player out of week 10, Aaron Jones left with an ankle injury in the game yesterday against the Detroit Lions. X-rays were negative. Uh, again, he more than likely will play next week, but his workload may be a little bit limited. You may see A.J. Dillon get a few more touches uh, in week 10. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for the Packers, although at this point, you know, with their record at three and six, I mean, really not too much good news for the Packers going on. So if you, if you're an Aaron Jones manager, I, I think you just got to wait it out for the rest of the week and see how often he practices, how much he practices, what the injury report looks like going into this weekend. It is something that you're going to have to monitor, but as of right now, it does not seem like it's going to be, major major you know multiple week injury for aaron jones luckily yeah uh keeping up with green bay actually looked to tackle so to speak the the next two guys um not looking good for that offense as a whole uh, obviously yesterday against detroit was basically i guess a statement of where they are as an offense and as a team a couple more injuries romeo dobbs uh high ankle sprain uh, was carted to the locker room did not look good High ankle sprain was the initial diagnosis, likely out four to six weeks. He had been pound for pound their most prolific looking wide receiver. I know Lazard is up there, obviously, as the number one guy. But when it came to big plays and things, both from training camp, you really kind of thought you had a shot with him. Definitely looking like a guy that 
uh, is droppable based off of where you're heading into fantasy playoffs. Uh, you know, even coming back from that and dependent on how this team looks in a couple weeks where, where they definitely don't look playoff worthy. And one of their other draft picks, their top wide receiver draft pick from this uh 2022 draft christian watson uh evaluated for a concussion it's saying that it may have been just more of an upper body injury and they're saying that maybe he wasn't concussed coming off of an issue with concussion multiple injuries we're starting to see a little bit of a pattern there where again he was drafted for athletic talent uh, came out of a smaller school and doesn't at least at this rate look like he is up to nfl speed uh, not surprised that Green Bay having trouble with wide receivers. This is the first year they actually drafted a whole bunch for for Rodgers, considering they lent Devontae Adams walk. Some of that was tied into Rodgers' contract. We know that for sure. And and again, yesterday, he definitely looked to be the focal point of why things were going south fast. So Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, uh, again, both of those guys. Dobbs out for four to six. Watson, at this rate, too, he's another guy where you just say, hey, uh, not this season, maybe next season. If he gets healthy, he gets a little stronger physically uh, and gets up to speed uh, with the NFL game. Yeah, I think uh, not that it's really fantasy relevant, but I believe David Bakhtiari left that game as well. This is just not the year for the Packers, unfortunately. They they had a run. They had a good run. 2022 is not going to be uh, part of that run, unfortunately, for them. But eh, that's, you know, that's what happens when your quarterback makes, you know, the most money in the NFL. It's, uh, it's pretty difficult to pay other players. So. Yeah. Uh, last injury that we're going to talk about at the tight end position, Evan Ingram left uh, the game against Evan Ingram left the game this week with a back injury. He did come back, only ended up seeing two targets in that game. I don't know if that had anything to do with the fact that he was injured or if he just wasn't part of the game plan or just couldn't get open or whatever the case is. But again, he did come back into the game. So I don't think that this is an injury that's going to linger for any length of time. Probably something, again, if you do roster Evan Ingram and you're looking to play him in the upcoming weeks, just something that you're going to want to keep an eye on and, and make sure that he's fully healthy before you stick him back in your lineup. That is most of the major news and injuries for this week. Uh, hopefully it stays that way after our Monday night matchup. You do have Baltimore Ravens and New Orleans Saints with a lot of fun fantasy pieces that we hope make it out alive. Uh, <laughs> well, Baltimore's already missing half of their offensive starters, though. Uh, hopefully nobody else gets injured for them. That would be uh, it'd be pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, it's already the Lamar show, but, you know, I think he can carry that offense a little better right now than Rodgers. But, yeah, it's, you know, they, Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson's active, folks. So, uh, you know, yeah, there is there is definitely that. So it's also uh, 80 degrees in November here in the Delaware Valley. So uh, <laughs> a lot of weird things happening. Things that we talked about earlier, bye weeks obviously are a factor. Those Baltimore Ravens after tonight will be on a bye. Cincinnati Bengals, New England Patriots, and New York Jets. Uh, so there are some fantasy pieces that you're going to look to possibly replace. For instance, Baltimore, you're going to be missing Lamar Jackson, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow going to be out. And a couple guys we're going to start to talk about in the quarterback realm are hopefully fill-ins could be available, uh, especially after a big week. This would be the time to strike. Weekly waiver wire. First up is going to be Justin Fields. Yes, that Justin Fields who had a monster game, uh, depending on what league you're in with player performance bonuses and things of that nature. Obviously, we saw him rip apart 
the Miami defense, which hasn't been too hard overall this season. But Justin Fields put up in our league of record 50.72 points, uh, passing for three touchdowns, running for one with a two-point conversion, ran for 178 yards. Uh, right now, it looks like he is heavily owned. But that doesn't guarantee that somebody maybe didn't drop him on Sunday before that game or, or things like that. So it, it might be a waiver wire deal. But for him, who had the number one overall going into tonight, uh, quarterback performance, uh, he, if he's available, pick him up right now. I think you're starting to see this Chicago Bears team kind of realize what they are. The Chase Claypool trade uh, looks like it maybe put a little bit of life into that offense. Cole Komet finally had a nice big breakout game. Uh, and again, Miami's a, a leaky defense and that's being polite. But if Justin Fields is out there and you have the ability to pick him up and or make him a top waiver priority, put him on your roster. He could even be a trade chip for somebody if you're looking to make moves in a trade deadline kind of deal. Pick him up, look to trade him. But definitely Justin Fields, I think he's the guy for this week. Yeah, we did recommend picking him up last week, and hopefully people who were listening to this podcast did that and, and went out and grabbed him. And uh, you know, His ownership they, did go up, so yeah, I think we had yeah. something to do with that. Yeah, it was 30-something percent last week, I believe. So he's he's now up to, to almost 60% owned. So, so uh, who, we, who else are we giving that nine-round bump to? <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot more listeners than we thought, apparently. Yeah. Um, Another quarterback that you can pick up and potentially play this week or any of the weeks coming up, Jimmy Garoppolo from the San Francisco 49ers. Right now is only about 31% owned across fantasy leagues. We also mentioned him last week. So again, you know, this is right in the same range, 31%. Jimmy G could go out and have a big week this week. Uh, as we said last week, he's got eight straight plus matchups to finish out the season. And he scored 20 or more fantasy points in each of the last five weeks. I think that that streak is going to continue. He is not uh, a guy like Fields who's going to put up a 50-burger uh, in a fantasy week. But with all of the weapons uh, on that offense, he's definitely you know a viable option. He can dump the ball off to McCaffrey. McCaffrey makes something happen, picks up a touchdown. You know Now Jimmy G's get, got credit for a touchdown pass. Same thing with Debo Samuel. We all know when Debo gets the ball in his hands, how difficult he is to tackle and, and how shifty he is. You know, so again, Jimmy G doesn't have to do a whole lot to create fancy points on his own. His supporting cast, the, the other players on that team, help to do that. So uh, he is a guy that, uh, again, if you get quarterbacks on bye week, like we just talked about, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Jimmy G's a more than capable fill in. And like I said, he's got quite a few juicy matchups over the the final eight games of the season. Sliding away from the QB position, moving into a, a couple running backs that could be available. And obviously, if you held on to them or you had the ability to pick them up, Jeff Wilson, formerly of San Francisco, obviously getting Christian McCaffrey there, they felt the need that they could move off of Jeff Wilson. Miami Dolphins traded for Jeff Wilson with Mike McDaniel, previous San Francisco OC, obviously a lot of love and familiarity there. Uh, he's only owned under 50%. Again, some people had him as handcuffed city with San Fran before McCaffrey. So some owners may have dropped him, figuring out new team going to take a while to get integrated. Immediately made an impact on Sunday in our league of record. RB6, obviously Kamara still to play tonight with a couple other guys. 16.2 points. Almost a 50-50 split, really, when you stop and look at it. Uh, both he and Raheem Mostert. Both with nine carries. Wilson, the better running back with 51 yards, 5.7 a carry. And in the passing game, Mostert was targeted twice, did not make a catch. 
Jeff Wilson was three for three, 21 yards and a touchdown. Uh, when you even go back and look at the season totals as a whole, Miami's running back has been a little bit of that same frame where it went from Chase Edmonds to Mostert. Mostert's in our league. He's RB25 heading into this week, and Wilson was RB24. So they're neck and neck right there. Maybe Wilson pulls ahead, but right now, possible timeshare, possible committee work. But if he's putting up numbers like that, solid RB2, definite flex. See if you can go get Jeff Wilson. He is more than likely available. Uh, if not, you might even be able to get him for like a low-level trade if somebody's still not too keen on him. I let him go in, in one of the leagues after McCaffrey came to San Francisco. And then I think they traded him like a week later. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I should have I held on to him. Considering where he went. Yeah, it's like, you know, it goes to a team that's almost knows what he does. Yeah, it, it's yeah. scary. Yeah, not 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 very bright on my part, but I did. I know that Eli Mitchell was was going to be eligible to come back off of IR soon, so that was going to push Wilson even a little bit further down the depth chart in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, yeah, I don't really need a third string running back, so I let him go, and then he got traded, and I was like, nah, he's still second string in in Miami, and uh, yeah, he he may end up being the guy there. Who knows? But definitely go out and grab him because if he does end up being the guy, or you know, again, with Mostert's injury history, he, he could end up being forced to be, the, you know, the number one running back in that offense. So definitely grab him up if he's available. Another running back that you can look at picking up, uh, Rashad White from the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, is only about 20% owned in uh, fantasy leagues. Each week he's getting a little bit more and more of the snaps. This past week he played 35% of the snaps. Got 39% of the team's carries and 36% of the running back targets over the last three weeks. It looks like the Tampa Bay Bucks are, I don't want to say phasing Leonard Fournette out. He still gets a lot of targets. He's basically their their pass catching back. Um, But I I do think that they're trying to get Rashad White a little bit more involved in the offense, give him more snaps and, and more touches. Just because he's a, a young guy with a lot of burst, and you can see it when he touches the ball, he's still uh, a little hesitant as far as you know knowing what to do right away, which I think as he gets a little bit more playing time, you're going to see him get more and more comfortable with you know his role in the offense and, and sort of what to do when he gets the ball. But his snaps have been going up. His touches have been going up pretty much every game. So, uh, again... You want to get on these guys now before the mad rush to the waiver wire. If he has one good game where, you know, he, you know, takes a couple rushes to the house, you're not going to be able I mean, you're going to be able to get him on your waiver wire, but everybody else is going to be fighting for him. So if you roster him now, keep him on your bench. Once that game does happen, because I do think it's coming, you already have a, uh, an asset on your bench that, you know, I think you could, you could potentially play in, in one of these weeks where, Again, you're going to have a lot of these players, uh, a lot of the running backs on buys. We're going to slide over to wide receiver. A name that has been uh, sometimes cursed a little bit, uh, but lately has seemed like a guy that is finally living up to potential, especially in the offense that he's in, Mecole Hardman of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's owned in about 40 45% of leagues right now. Uh, again, could very well be available. But for those that have been scoring at home, he has been in double digits over his last four games. Coming into week nine, he had been a wide receiver 22 in total points, uh, again, in the last four weeks. Had a bye week in week eight, comes out week nine, and continues his hot streak. 
six catches on nine targets for 79 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and it was a very close game, 2017 overtime final. So his play has been helping this team win. I think you're starting to see a little bit more confidence there with that rapport and with his ability to actually catch the football. Third on the team in targets in the last four games with 23. So Miko Harbin, again, you have Juju Smith-Schuster there as well. Uh, I think Pat Mahomes is really starting to get comfortable with that offense and showing that, you know, without Tyreek Hill, they'll just adjust and move on. So Miko Hardman, if he is available right now, uh, he's one of the hottest wide receivers in fantasy football on one of the best offenses. That usually means a winning player. Get him on your roster. Again, if you can possibly sneak him in a throw-in or as a low-level piece in a trade for somebody not paying attention, get him on your roster now. Yeah, another guy who has been, uh, you know, a big part of his team's offense is Rondale Moore with the Arizona Cardinals. He's owned in about 50% of leagues, just a, just a little over 50%. He's played over 85% of the snap, basically in all the games that he's played this season. He is their number two wide receiver with Hollywood Brown gone. We did mention him last week as well. Again, looks like some people picked him up because he was, I think he was rostered only in about 44% of leagues last week. He led the team in targets in week nine with 10. Uh, which is was more than DeAndre Hopkins, even though Hopkins ended up with a better fantasy day. But Rondell Moore is a guy who you know the Cardinals have to get the ball to. He's one of their primary weapons, and the fact that I, I was actually surprised that he's only fifty one percent owned. I think he'll probably be off of our waiver wire segment next week. There's going to be a lot of people running out to uh, to pick him up this week, just based off of the the target numbers alone. But uh, yeah, I think he's he's definitely a guy who, if you're playing in a PPR league, he's one of those guys who you can basically just throw in your lineup and and pick up you know 12 to 14 points just on you know receptions alone if he finds his way into the end zone, which he hasn't done much this year. But uh, you know that's a little bit of a bonus. But he's he's definitely a guy who uh, the Cardinals are going to look to pretty much all game long, and Kyler Murray is definitely going to uh, throw his way as as often as he possibly can. If he can see him over the line, <laughs> yes. Uh, moving on, another wide receiver. Uh, I drafted him uh, with the upside potential in a big offense and has kind of been thrust into that duty. I don't have him anymore. Josh Palmer, Los Angeles Chargers, has been the de facto wide receiver one for this week based off of injuries to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. You know, they'd already lost Jalen Guyton, who was another name. Uh, he's been out for the season. So there's not a lot of options. We know that Austin Eckler is a do-it-all kind of Alvin Kamara type guy. He's he's our RB1 pretty much as we speak. Uh, but Josh Palmer is somebody who, if he can keep up the play, had a nice game against the the Atlanta Falcons, which is not hard to do, but uh, again, eight catches on 10 targets for 106 yards in a win. Again, he did not score, but obviously contributed heavily. He put up over 20 points in our league and got that nice little plus 100 bonus, which some of your leagues carry. Doesn't look like Allen and, and Williams might be readily available just yet. Uh, you know, I heard Keenan Allen had a setback, and with Mike Williams and the, the high ankle sprain, they can't force rushing guys back like that because it's just not going to happen. You're not just going to look to get one of your best guys, one of your big money guys knocked out for the season. So if Josh Palmer continues on, he will be wide receiver one again for that team. Uh, again, albeit by default. Right now his ownership, I mean, in, and we're in NFL.com league, uh, is about 32% ownership at that spot. Uh, things will probably start to dial back a little bit when Allen and Williams come back. But 
don't be so quick to drop them like I did, because even if they come back, they're not going to be 100%. Again, by leading the team in targets, receptions, and yards, and having a very capable quarterback in Justin Herbert, uh, I think that there could be some potential for him, not just this season, but moving forward. But if Josh Palmer's there, definitely look to get him involved on your roster. He's startable in all formats based on the offense and the fact that he is, for right now, wide receiver one for the Los Angeles Chargers. And the last wide receiver that we're going to talk about hasn't played a game yet this year, but it can start to practice uh, as soon as next week is healed from his ACL tear and currently does not reside on an NFL team. But there's a lot of interest in signing Odell Beckham Jr. to the roster. I've heard uh, many teams, the Cowboys, the Packers, um, some others thrown in there as well that, that have some interest in bringing Beckham uh, and I think, as much as I hate to say it, the Cowboys seem to make the most sense. Uh, they have the money, the cap space to be able to do it, and they are kind of in need of more pass catchers. Dalton Schultz's knee injury has been holding him back a little bit. Michael Gallup, since he's returned, just hasn't really looked like he did a couple years ago when uh, he sort of flashed for that, that brief period of time. Somebody's going to pick this guy up. Somebody with a good offense more than likely because you know Beckham like he was last year is he's sort of like a he's like a hired assassin he's like one of those guys where you know the, the team is looking like they're going to make a, a push to uh, a Super Bowl and just need another piece another playmaker and that's what he does and that's who he is so as long as he you know can work out and show these teams that he's fully recovered someone is going to sign him and now is the time to get him on your bench before the other people in your league grab him. Uh, once he signs, that I mean, your chance is pretty much gone because that, that news is going to be all over, you know, ESPN, NFL Network, you know, any anywhere that you're getting football fed to you, they're going to be talking about Odell Beckham. So make sure that you get him on your roster now before he gets signed. And uh, again, if he doesn't do anything, who cares? You know, you threw him on the end of your bench. It was worth a shot. But if he does turn out to be uh, the type of player that he was last year with the Rams, could help you to a fantasy championship this year. You never know. Yeah, uh, he definitely he had that impact for them down the stretch, uh, even in the game itself, catching that touchdown right as he got injured. And, and that just seemed to really <laughs> uh, push them over the edge. Uh, I hate to see him go to Dallas, but yeah, I do think you are. I think you're correct there. Uh, lastly, one name that might be floating around out there at the tight end position. Uh, we love ourselves the tight end here at the nine route, and we've talked about him in previous episodes. If he is available in your league, uh, I would behoove you to go out and get him right now. Greg Dolchich, coming off a bye week for the Denver Broncos, has averaged 12 points a game in his first three games in the NFL. He's already fifth on the, on the uh, Denver Broncos in targets with 17. Uh, just goes to show you where that offense has been. 12 catches on those 17 targets, 182 yards, already a touchdown. It, it's kind of scary. Like he's he's averaging 60 yards a game. And I know that that's small sample size with a couple big plays factored in. It's kind of scary to think that this guy is, you know, quietly going to play on a bad team. Russ obviously is looking for him and he may not be cooking, but if he's microwaving, that's fine. Get Greg Dolchitz on your roster right now. He's very low ownership, probably only about 20 to 25%. A lot of people would have cut him last week to make room for, again, a bi-week replacement or some other form of a roster piece. 
But again, if you're looking at a guy that played 80% of the snaps in his last game at the tight end position, and I said this to you uh, in our trade episode, and Pat, I know you agreed that he oozes that tight end one potential uh, just watching what he's doing this season. If you watch him play uh, and you think, my God, if this guy had a whole season under his belt, what he's going to look like, he's got that potential of a an Ertz, but he's got yak yards. Uh, he's got that Mark Andrews in him. He's got that Travis Kelsey kind of stuff going on. Uh, he's young, but get him on your roster right now. If you could get a, a quarterback as well, I mean, it's been terrible down there, but he's definitely started to flash and seems like he's going to, I mean, you know, they were on by this past week, so we don't really know, but week 10 will show a lot of, you know, where he's at as far as playing time. He seems to have overtaken the tight end one role in Denver. So uh, yeah, if he, if he continues to, you know, get anywhere north of, you know, 65% of the snaps with the tight end landscape being what it is in fantasy football, he's definitely worth having on your roster and probably starting in, in a lot of instances, even as bad as the, the Broncos offense has been. So definitely a, a guy that uh, I've picked up in leagues and, uh, and started and, and been pretty, pretty happy with, you know, the performance in one of my leagues, I actually dropped Kyle Pitts and picked him up and, uh, it's, it's one of those leagues where like the it's an eighteen league. The benches are really short, so you can't really roster a lot of players. But you know, right around week five, I was like, screw this whole Kyle Pitts thing. I'm I'm over this. And uh, once Dulcich started picking things up, I I just made him my tight end. Yeah, uh, and, that's, and he's my starter moving forward. So that's uh, that's where we're at in that league. If you can tell how I'm doing in that one. <laughs> well, once you, you had me at Kyle Pitts, and <laughs> he was one of my guys, and he's somebody that has cost me. Uh, multiple leagues the problem i've had is you know he puts up four points 1.3 points and i say out of hell with him put him on the bench and that's where he gets his game with four catches 20 <laughs> you know 70 yards and his touchdown so he's had those couple bright spots uh sitting there with the towel around his neck for me yeah i know it's I'm, I'm probably getting to that point he was he was one of my keepers i, I really believed in him and Again, what what's scary is I think coming next season, maybe with quarterback and a different offensive philosophy. Who knows if Arthur Smith is still there next year? Uh, but if a coach really tries to utilize him, maybe a little bit better, you know, in the way he's deployed in a game plan, maybe. Uh, but yeah, it ain't happening this year, man. Yeah, he definitely needs a uh, a quarterback upgrade. I, I think in order to sort of unlock his potential a little bit more. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't. I don't think Arthur Smith is gonna lose his job i mean he's competing for the division title as, as bad as that division is this year so uh, there's a chance that the falcons could actually make the play the playoffs skinniest kid uh, in fact yeah. he even screwed up the friggin <laughs> tank you know what i mean like come on look what he did yeah that is going to do it for our waiver wire pickups heading into week 10 i want to give you our socials again real quick before we let you go you can find us on twitter at the nine route one and at scott from delco also, we have our website, which is www.thenineroutffb.com. You can also email the show at thenineroutffb at gmail.com. We'd also like to thank Mickey's Portacol Pub in Tuckerton, New Jersey, for partnering with the show. If you're looking for a great place to watch the games, good food, great drink specials, Mickey's is the place. 327 East Main Street in Tuckerton, New Jersey. Mickey's Pub, where friends and family meet. Scott, you uh, you got anything else you want to throw in there before we sign off for today? 
Nah, I think that's it. I think we gave him enough knowledge for one episode. Uh, waiver Wire Week 10, some injuries, news, and notes. Again, we do have one more game left to play tonight. We have the Baltimore Ravens and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, then Baltimore goes into a bye. So, folks, we appreciate everybody out there that listens. Please like, subscribe, and follow us on all social medias, YouTube, you name it. Apple Podcasts, we're there for you at the nine round, trying to give you that knowledge so that you go deep into your fantasy playoffs and go deep for that championship. For Pat, I am Scott. We will see you next time here at the nine round. Peace.